Greetings everyone, this is Terry Naturally with another edition of Terry Talks Nutrition. We're here every Saturday and Sunday morning from 8 o'clock till 9 o'clock Central Standard Time and we are here primarily for you to share information with you that if you decide to use it to improve your health, the quality of your health and your vitality. Don't you want to feel better? Don't you want to have better health? Don't you want to feel really, really, really good? Do you want to have more energy? Just do the things you'd like to do without aches and pains? Well, that's why we're here. We're here to share information because I believe, and I know for a fact that I'm right, because I've read enough information from the experts, because I'm not the expert. I just share all the expert news and scientific information with you. I'm kind of like a clearinghouse of information. But all the experts that have written on food, because food is your medicine. And if you eat the right type of food, because our diet has changed more in the last 100 years than it has in the previous 3 million years. And we are eating far more sugar and carbohydrates, which eventually will turn into sugar. And I'll explain more about that in a moment. But today, we have a variety of topics. And the first topic is on prostate cancer. Ladies, don't go away. We have a lot more coming up. And maybe you'll find this as interesting as well to help your man out. We'll also talk about what does it take to really enjoy exercising? Some people hate it. Some people make all kinds of excuses that they don't have to exercise. They don't want to go to the gym. They don't want to change clothes. It takes up, takes up too much time. People have excuses for not exercising. So what does it take to really enjoy exercise? We'll talk about low blood sugar and how it increases your binge eating and your hunger pangs. There is a mineral called aluminum that is toxic. So let's take a closer look at how we should avoid aluminum and what does it do in our body when we get an excessive level of this mineral. A case study will talk about a brain tumor and a diet that may be able to slow the progression of tumors. Lyme disease is on our order today. And three signs why you may have a thyroid disorder. But remember, you can join us here every Saturday and Sunday morning, 8 o'clock until 9 o'clock Central Center Time. And anybody around the world, maybe your friends, your relatives, you might want to tell them about Terry Talks Nutrition. And they can listen live 
by adjusting their times to be on the same time we are here in the Central Standard Time in the USA. We have listeners around the world. But if they don't want to change their times, because sometimes it would take 11 or 12 hours of change. We're on at 8 o'clock Sunday morning, Saturday morning, and that might be 10, 10 o'clock at night in some places around the world. So we also have archived our radio shows. We have stored them on the radio show section that you can listen anytime you want at your convenience. We also have done that with our newsletter. I write a weekly newsletter that goes out every Friday to to your email address. You can subscribe. And if you missed any of those newsletters, they are also archived on our website. And just as a reminder, you can find us on all kinds of different platforms for your enjoyment. You can follow me, of course, here on my website and my radio show. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter under Terry Talks Nutrition. I have a YouTube channel that you can explore for videos. And it's called youtube.com slash Terry Talks Nutrition. And you can listen and watch to our show called Terry and Dr. Lynn Show. Terry has teamed up with Dr. Lynn Wagner, a medical doctor. And we talk about various topics that might be interesting to you because they're interesting to us. We only talk to you about what we think our lives would be better by doing. So we would think that maybe you might want to follow our suggestions as well. You can also go on your favorite podcast platform to listen to Terry and Dr. Lynn, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Listen Notes, Player FM, Audible, Deezer, and Podcast Attic. So we're giving you a lot of platforms for you to go to to follow us on our radio show, our podcast, our websites, and our newsletter. So let's just jump in right now and talk a little bit about our health and what does it take to have better health. Well, you know, often I talk about giving up sugar. Sugar is a toxic poison. And it causes almost all of our physical and mental disorders. Diseases that doctors are using drugs to treat with very little results and value. Food is our medicine. And our food today in the American diet has changed drastically from what our ancestors ate millions of years ago. And we still have the same DNA of those ancestors of millions of years ago. 
So it's only been a very, very short period of time that we have started to eat grains as part of our diet. Our diet basically was animal protein, healthy fats, fruits, vegetables, and that's it. And there are diets called the ketogenic diet, the paleo diet, and other diets that have a low carbohydrate focus. We are overeating carbohydrates and sugar. And I think most people visualize sugar as that white grainy stuff you have in a sugar bowl or somewhere in your cupboard that you might use extra sugar. That is sugar. And the average amount of sugar that we are consuming today is 10 10 to 20 times more. In the early 1900s, we consumed about 4 to 6 pounds of sugar per individual annually. It was done on a national average because they don't know how much sugar each individual eats, but they know how much sugar is sold and how much it is consumed nationally. So you divide it by the population and you come up with some figures that are on an average basis. And today, we are up to 250 pounds of sugar per individual annually. That means every man, woman, and child, children are, are smaller, so they eat less sugar, of course. But we are responsible, as the national average, of consuming about 250 pounds of sugar for each of us. I don't eat any sugar. And I know there are many people listening to this program who are health conscious and they have given up sugar or reduced it drastically. Now there's many, many places where sugar is hidden in these big coffee drinks. These flavored coffee drinks, 12 to 15 to 16 teaspoons of sugar per drink. Sugar per drink. Soda, up to 12 to 14 teaspoons of sugar. And the worst kind of sugar, high fructose corn syrup. Corn syrup. It's not a sugar that anybody should eat. Now all those facts are on the basis of eating sugar, sugar. But you have to realize that all the carbohydrates that we eat when broken down, the starches, all starches, all carbohydrates, when they break down in our body, break down into sugar. That's the way it's metabolized. So we should really lower 
the level of carbohydrates to be healthy. And I have read tons of work by various authors, experts, doctors, medical doctors, PhDs, all on the value of lowering the carbohydrates to repair and recover from diseases. If we lower the carbohydrates and you have a disease, so-called disease, because it's easier to sell drugs for a condition that may be brought about by eating the wrong diet, but now they can prescribe drugs for it. Fatty liver disease can be reversed in a matter of months by reducing carbohydrates and sugar. Arthritis, pain, all these conditions are brought on and inflammation brought on by eating excessive levels of carbohydrates and sugar. Now I'm just going to give you an idea of some of the so-called food and how much sugar it provides when we consume these types of foods. White rice, about 150 grams, is equivalent to 10 teaspoons of sugar in one helping. A white potato boiled or baked is equivalent to about 9 teaspoons of sugar. But where is the sugar? You don't see the sugar in a potato. You don't see the sugar in rice. But when it's digested, it's digested into glucose. And glucose is sugar. You have sucrose, glucose. Most of the food is broken down into glucose. High fructose corn syrup is fructose. It's another type of sugar. We have so much sugar as sugar in our diet, plus all the bread, pasta, cakes, pies, cereals, whatever, are all forms of sugar. It's just not the sugar bowl that is creating all the havoc. And you can see every disease, including heart disease, cancer, Type 2 diabetes particularly, because it's a sugar involvement condition. But even drinking juice, pure apple juice, one small glass, about six ounces of pure apple juice, is eight and a half teaspoons of sugar. A glass of orange juice, 14 teaspoons of sugar. No, not the sugar that you see in your sugar bowl, but the sugar that's in the fruit. We can eat an orange, and we probably are more satisfied because it has fiber. We don't eat three, four, five, or six, ten oranges, but a glass of juice is probably equivalent to ten oranges without the fiber. We get too much sugar. Cornflakes, just one ounce 
of cornflakes, and no bowl of cornflakes is one ounce. Eight and a half teaspoons of sugar. French fries, seven and a half teaspoons of sugar. Cocoa Pops, seven and a half teaspoons of sugar. Pasta, about five ounces of pasta, six teaspoons of sugar. A banana, six teaspoons of sugar. Whole grain bread, not white bread, whole grain bread, five and a half teaspoons of sugar per slice. Bran flakes, four and a half teaspoons of sugar. Corn on the cob, one cob is about five teaspoons of sugar. White bread, not more healthy in terms of vitamins and minerals, but it is far less sugar than whole grain bread. A whole grain bread, the dark brown bread, is up to five and a half teaspoons of sugar. White bread is three and a half teaspoons of sugar. And broccoli, barely any sugar whatsoever. And eggs, of course, that's a protein, has no sugar. So when I'm saying we should cut down these foods that are so high in carbohydrates, they actually provide the sugar. Frozen peas, for example. Just one and a half teaspoon of sugar. Cabbage. No sugar. Raisins. Just two ounces of raisins is ten and a half teaspoons of sugar. A banana, five and a half teaspoons of sugar. One apple is two and a half teaspoons of sugar. Where a banana is five and a half teaspoons of sugar. Strawberries, less than a half a teaspoon of sugar. So there's ways that we can actually reduce the level of sugar because whether it comes from the food or it comes from the sugar bowl, it's the same sugar. And why is this bad? Because all the sugar we eat has to be controlled and managed so that we don't get a very high level of blood sugar. A high level of blood sugar is disastrous for our health. But there is a hormone called insulin that is responsible for managing the level of sugar. So when we eat sugar at a very normal level, the pancreas releases insulin and the insulin shuttles, transports the sugar into the cells to be burned by the cells to provide energy. That's on a very low level of sugar or foods that convert into sugar, like the carbohydrates, the starches. But we ate so much in the American diet of carbohydrates and sugar, the insulin is overwhelmed 
and is not able to transport all the sugar. So when you go to a physician for a test, and the doctor says, oh my gosh, your blood sugar level up is so high. I get, you're a diabetic. I got to get you on drugs. No, folks, you're not a diabetic. You are just eating so much darn sugar that the sugar doesn't have any else place to go but in the blood. It can't be transported to the cells. And eventually, the body in its wisdom tries to preserve it so it preserves it in the way of fat. So when people are fat, it's based on how many carbohydrates and how much sugar they are eating daily. Obesity and all the people that are overly fat in America are so because of the amount of carbohydrates and sugar. Not protein, not fat. You can eat lots of protein, lots of fats, in the absence of carbohydrates, and you'll become thin. You'll lose weight. If people want to lose weight, and they're serious about losing weight, then give up your diet that you probably are eating today, which is called the American diet, and you lower the amount of food that you eat, and you will lose weight because you are taking in more, less, I should say, less calories than you need to provide your daily energy levels. So you do lose weight. But you haven't changed anything because one day you're going to go back to eating the American diet in the style you did before when you got fat. Now you're going to get fat again. Most people, 80% to 90% of the people that lose weight will regain the weight they lost and add 20% more. And when you lose weight without using some form of weight-bearing exercise to make your muscles stronger, when you lose weight, 35 to 50% of the weight you lose is not just fat, but muscle. So every time you lose weight, you lose some fat, and a lot of muscle. And over a period of years and decades of this yo-yo dieting, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, you are losing weight and losing muscle, and when you gain weight, you gain fat, not muscle. So I have talked to people that are slim, at their elderly age and they've lost all their muscle. They're very weak. They can't get out of a chair. They have to have assistance. That's why we have nursing homes in many cases. People just are not strong enough, not healthy enough. They're frail. They're fragile. And it's only because of our diet. And I am convinced Regardless of your condition, regardless of your age, if you select a low-carbohydrate diet, and if you are very, very sick, including cancer, I would choose the ketogenic diet to give you the fastest results to reverse your disease and to prevent disease. It's a real medical diet. You can follow this 
with or without your physician. There is no side effects, bad side effects, to the ketogenic diet. Or otherwise, the paleo diet, which is more in, in tune with a combination of more carbohydrates, not a lot of carbohydrates, only still about maybe 75 to 100. And one of the best books I've read is a book by Dr. Wolfgang Lutz, L-U-T-Z. His book is called Living Life Without Bread. And it talks about the carbohydrate diet. He has worked 40 years. He's passed away. But before that, he worked for 40 years, changing his own life. And that's why he got so hooked on how carbohydrates destroy the body. And he has worked with over 40,000 patients on the low-carb style diet. You'll change your life dramatically. You have to give up some foods that you may like, you may be addicted to, because they are so sweet, they have so much sugar. But in time, if somebody offered me something that was sweet, and I didn't want to offend them, so I ate it. I knew one time it's not going to hurt. And it's so sweet, I can hardly stand it. It's so, it's so sweet. And other people are just saying, oh my God, this is so good. We have our taste so addicted to sweet flavors. And manufacturers know that. Food manufacturers know that. So they make everything sweet. They add sugar. And many kinds of sugar. Honey. Maple syrup. Molasses. High fructose corn syrup. Glucose. Sucrose. And they don't have to list the main ingredient as sugar because they have stretched them out on the label. So we are eating a lot of sugar in prepackaged and prepared foods that really aren't foods at all anymore. So think about how many carbohydrates that you are consuming that is over the top. And how much sugar. You know, even all these cereals I mentioned, how much sugar they have in teaspoons. That's not even the sugar that's added to it that you might put on with a spoon. And some people eat a huge bowl of cold cereal and two glasses of orange juice. I've seen this on planes when people, well, this, would be, this was prior to COVID-19 when breakfast was served. Some cold cereal, two or three glasses of orange juice. All that sugar. Sugar is a poison. Okay, stay where you are, my friends. I've got to take a pause here. We're going to come right back here on Terry Talks Attrition. I'm Terry Naturally, back right after this. Welcome back, my friends. This is Terry Naturally with our second portion of the show. We're going to be here until the top of the hour here on Terry Talks Nutrition. And we're going to be talking about prostate health and prostate cancer. This is a very common hormonal cancer, primarily in, in one of the top cancers in men. 
But men have clues as to what they should be looking for to make sure that they can lower the risk of prostate cancer. So men don't ignore a weak urine flow. If you have a hard time urinating, you stand over the toilet or the urinal, begging the stream to flow. Not a good sign. It's one of the first signs of a prostate disorder. A weak flow of urine. Or stopping and starting. Is almost always a sign of prostate disorders or problems. And some of the other symptoms urinary urgency or frequency, and then dribbling, difficulty emptying the bladder. And the underlying causes of weak urine flow include prostate infection, prostate inflammation, benign prostatic hyperplasia, commonly referred to as BPH, prostate cancer. There are two types of prostate cancer. In most cases of prostate cancer, now this might scare you or might give you some relaxed ability if you're facing cancer because most cancers of prostate of the prostate are harmless about 80 well almost 90 to 95% cancer of the prostate is harmless now don't put that off because you still should be monitored by your physician. Because most cancer does not spread from the prostate and is very slow growing and does not spread. So if you're 65, 70, 75, probably you will live your lifetime and die from something else then you will die from prostate cancer if you have been diagnosed that you have prostate cancer. It's not the end of the world. It's not like pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer is, you don't know it for years and years, and then within six months after being diagnosed, your life is over. With prostate cancer, you could live 15, 20 years. But then again, there are some prostate cancers that are very aggressive and they should be treated. Now the problem is it is very hard to tell which two types of cancer or which one you may have and how do you tell them apart with the tests that are currently available. There's a very, very poor diagnosis of prostate cancer. But still, you need to be monitored by your physician.
the most common screening test that is now used in the U.S. It's called the PSA test, prostate-specific antigen test. That's the one that's being currently used today. And it's not at all accurate. In fact, the doctor that came up with this PSA antigen test said that he wished he never would have disclosed it because it has caused more harm than good. This is a substance that is produced by the prostate gland and they test for this antigen. So they believe, currently, that the higher PSA levels associated with increased risk of prostate cancer. So the lower PSA score, the better. So a low risk, low risk of prostate cancer is PSA of 4 or less. The high risk of possible increased risk of cancer is a PSA of 10 or higher. So when you have a 10 or higher, that gives you a about a 67% increased risk of cancer. So, in some cases, 90 to 95%, it is absolutely harmless. Yes, you have cancer, but in a gland that does not allow it to spread, it grows extremely slowly. So what makes prostate cancer dangerous? Why are some prostate cancers harmless and others are so aggressive? So we have to take in consideration genetics. Normally, most of our diseases are caused by our choices of our food and our lifestyle, which would change are diseases, good or bad. But in genetics, in a new study, found that men have the same gene expression, BRCA2, that would be BRCA2 gene. It's the same gene associated with breast cancer in women. And if men have the BRCA2 gene, they are eight times more likely to experience prostate cancer than men who do not have this gene. Not not every man has the BRCA2 gene. Now that's one of the ways of determining the risk of cancer. The second is inflammation. Inflammation is in every disorder imaginable. It is the bottom line of all disease. 
and three common foods are responsible for most of the inflammation in both men and women and even children. That is excessive sugar, excessive carbohydrates, and vegetable oil, which is very high in omega-6 versus omega-3. And I just ran a report this morning that a low level of omega-3 affects the body as much as someone who is smoking cigarettes. There's so much damage done from smoking and there is so much damage done when the individuals have a low level of omega-3. And when we have a high level of omega-6, it lowers omega-3 and we don't eat food that has omega-3 So it causes excessive inflammation. And a new study reports that men with chronic prostate inflammation were two times more likely to develop prostate cancer and had a two and a half times the risk of having an aggressive form of cancer. So there are some benefits of a natural intervention, alternatives that can help support a healthy prostate function. These natural alternatives or intervention for prostate cancer is first to help reduce inflammation. As we Systemically reduce inflammation. It is, redu- it is reduced everywhere. Your joints. Change your diet. You will lessen the level of pain. You will lessen the level of all diseases. And reverse those diseases in a matter of months. It could be anywhere from two to three to eight or nine or ten months. But believe me, It is more effective than drugs by changing your diet to a low-carbohydrate, no-sugar diet. So we want to reduce inflammation everywhere. And this is including the prostate. And then our focus should be on how to bring the PSA level score down and how to reduce cancer cells and their ability to respond to hormonal triggers. Guess what? Research I ran across on lowering your carbohydrates and sugar will balance, regulate, and manage all of your hormonal levels. Now maybe you have the Brock gene too, but if you're eating the wrong kind of food, it makes it even a higher risk prostate cancer. So we also want to stop cancer cell replication and how it spreads. So there are nutrients to consider 
that will help the prostate, that will improve the prostate function. And these nutrients to consider are curcumin, grapeseed, and pomegranate. These, of course, curcumin is a spice. Grapeseed is a fruit or part of a fruit. Pomegranate is a fruit. So these three natural nutrients, along with vitamin D and an extract from milk thistle called psilobin, these five nutrients can improve your PSA scores, lower them, I've seen people in the 12 to 14 range drop down to 2 or 3 within a matter of months. Lowering your risk of prostate cancer. So curcumin and prostate cancer can improve tumor cells in prostate cancer that have been found to produce inflammation causing compounds which are linked to the cancer's ability to spread. Inflammation causes the cancer to spread. A 2012 study found that curcumin blocked the ability of prostate cancer cells to release the inflammatory compounds. And therefore, there were less spreading of the prostate cancer cells so you have a lower risk of complications. It didn't spread. Metastasis. Doesn't spread. Curcumin has also been shown to make prostate cancer cells more sensitive to drug therapy. So when doctors are treating the prostate cancer with a drug, it's okay to give them curcumin. Now, your doctor may not agree, and I can tell you what your doctor would think about it. Some doctors agree curcumin is okay, some doctors don't. But in the long run, from scientific studies, clinical studies in research at various institutions around the country, including around the world, giving curcumin to a cancer patient that's on cancer chemo drugs makes the drugs more safe and less toxic and makes the prostate cancer cells more sensitive to those drugs so it kills off the cancer cells faster. It, it, it creates a smaller dosage required of the drug so adverse effects are very, very much reduced because the side effects have been reduced because the dosage of the cancer drug, which very toxic, reduces its dosage. And curcumin overall increases its effectiveness of the drug. And in the case of radiation therapy, with curcumin, 40 patients being treated for prostate cancer with external 
beam radiotherapy, EBRT, and drug therapy to reduce hormone levels. This study was done with 1,000 milligrams of curcumin three times daily. It protected against the most common adverse effects experienced with radiotherapy, urinary problems. The greatest changes were that a 50% reduction in numbers of men with daytime urinary frequency, a 30% reduction in men with sleep disturbances related to urinary issues, and reductions in pain with urination, urinary leakage, travel restrictions because of urinary urgencies, urinary urgency in general, and limitations of daily activities related to urinary problems. So curcumin has a huge ability to help the prostate cancer person recover more effectively, even though they are taking drugs. Now, by adding pomegranate, it has been shown to kill prostate cancer cells and slow the spreading of prostate cancer. Researchers looked at how long it took prostate PSA scores levels to double, which is a sign of prostate cancer progression. The shorter time that is required for doubling the PSA, the more aggressive the cancer. And prostate quadrupled the doubling time versus the results of the placebo group. The use of the PSA screening test frequency causes false positives or identifies cancers that don't need treatment. So there is some disagreement on its value as a cancer predictor. And I said earlier, the doctor that came up with this method of the PSA score says he wishes he never would have allowed that to go into the medical community. He said it's not accurate at all. And then if we add grapeseed, like curcumin and pomegranate, Grapeseed blocks inflammatory compounds associated with cancer spreading. Researchers found that men who used grapeseed extract were over 40 times, 40% less, I should say, 40% less likely to develop prostate cancer. So if you are not challenged with prostate cancer today, you should think about using grapeseed extract because it improves and reduces the likeliness to develop prostate cancer by up to 40%. Those who use grapeseed extract long-term, ongoing, were over 60% less likely to develop prostate cancer. Aggressive prostate cancer has also been linked to a deficiency 
of vitamin D3. A recent study found that men with low vitamin D, vitamin D levels, were four to five times, four to five times more likely to have aggressive prostate cancer than men with normal vitamin D levels. Normal vitamin D levels is not enough anymore. It could be because the environment, our diets, it's just, it's not sufficient anymore. Most doctors have their patients on 5,000 to 10,000 IU of vitamin D3. The FDA has just raised the recommended levels of vitamin D from 400 to 600. And we're talking 5,000 to 10,000. Exposure to the sun is estimated to improve after 15 to 20 minutes up to 20,000 IUs of vitamin D. Now another ingredient that's extracted from milk thistle called silibin, S-I-L-Y-B-I-N, in cell studies, exposure to silibin and other compounds from milk thistle were associated with up to an 85% reduction in prostate cancer cell death. That is huge. Most drugs are not even close to that level of reduction. So, a good dosage of these ingredients, and I would recommend them all together, at least 1,500 IU of vitamin D3, plus approximately 750 milligrams of curcumin, grapeseed, pomegranate, and silicon daily. You could do that two or three times a day. A very good dosage to be able to support proper prostate function and lower the risk of prostate cancer. So in the beginning we asked you, what does it take to enjoy exercising? And when will you start to like it? Well, some people, some people will probably say never. They just hate exercising. And do you need to exercise? Well, I would say one thing. Your health is 90% what you eat. And I believe it's more important what you don't eat than what you eat. Because if you give up the things that you should not eat, you'll end up eating the things you should eat. And only about 10% of our health is due to exercise. Remember, you can't out-exercise a bad diet. You can't outrun a bad diet. And you can't even out-supplement a bad diet. If you're eating a crappy diet and you're taking a lot of supplements, you're wasting your money. And if you eat a terrible diet, a crappy diet, and you are exercising to lose weight, you're better off if you don't exercise. 
Just change your diet. Your composition of your muscles and your body and your strength will absolutely change. You'll have good strength, good muscle tone. Be healthier and happier and and have more energy and more ability and more strength. Food is the bottom line of your health. But when people who liked, liked, um, so there, are a few, there are a few out there, who to exercise were asked, when and how did you start liking exercise? And they said, you will enjoy exercise when, three, three reasons, you feel pride that you stuck to it. In January, everybody says they're going to exercise for the full year. And 50% of those that said that are done by February. They're done. They quit. Seeing an unbroken string of checks on the calendar, knowing that you are doing something good for your body, can help keep you going. And you are seeing results. You can do more than before. Lift more, bike more, swim longer than you could before you started. You are getting stronger and healthier and more fit. Add that to diet, though, and you'll break all records. Exercise isn't so painful. Starting a new exercise program that most people think will lead to lots of aches and pains, you never want to go there. There's no such thing as no pain, no gain. It's gain without pain. You don't want to cause pain. If you do, you're causing inflammation throughout your entire body. You're not going to recover from exercise that causes pain. And if there's pain, there has to be another reason. Stop before you go too far. But natural anti-inflammatories like curcumin, boswellia, and black sesame seed oil can help you feel better until your body gets stronger. That, my friends, another hour has flown by and it's time to leave you until tomorrow. I'll be back here at 8 o'clock until 9 o'clock Sunday. Join me again if you can. We'd love to have you join us whenever you can. So find a way to increase your diet with good quality foods. Get rid of the sugar and the carbohydrates. Exercise. And with that, my friends, say a prayer for this crazy, crazy world. God bless you and God bless America.